0: It's Monday, October the 1st, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is The Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the book Basic Christianity by John Stott. And we will actually finish the study today. And David Wooten, our Florida State Director, will be leading us through the last chapter, chapter
1: 11, Being a Christian. Well, we are finishing our study as a staff of Basic Christianity, a book that was written in 1971 by John Stott. It has been named by Christianity Today and by World Magazine as one of the top 100 books of the 20th century. Uh, Christianity Today said that these books on this list have most shaped contemporary religious thought or had an enduring significance for the Christian faith and the church. And so this is a classic, without a doubt, considered a classic. And so it's been great for our staff to study through this. John Stott was the author, he was the rector at All Souls Church in London and a chaplain to Queen Elizabeth. He chaired the Lausanne Covenant Committee that uh, the Lausanne Congress um, tasked with writing a covenant to recommit ourselves as evangelicals to the proclamation of the gospel and to the evangelization of the nations. And so uh, it's been a great study for us. This Basically, this book is a summary of the gospel. And certainly at Lifeline, where we lead with the gospel, it's important for everybody in our team to have a good comprehension and to be able to articulate uh, the gospel. So Stott begins with the fact that God exists and that He has revealed Himself through the Scriptures and through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So today I want to read to you from Acts chapter 2, uh, the, the Day of Pentecost sermon that uh, Peter preached and he preaches from an Old Testament passage in Joel, and then he gives the theme or thesis of his sermon when he says in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst— As you yourselves know, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Jesus is the theme of this sermon on uh, the day of Pentecost. And then you turn the page over to Acts chapter 4, Uh, where Peter and John have been called in by the Sanhedrin Council because they healed a man in the name of Jesus. And this is the part of the defense that that Peter and John give to the Sanhedrin Council. They said, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. That is the man that they healed. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And so Stott begins in basic Christianity by telling us who Christ is, that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is sinless, spotless, And he, therefore, is our fitting substitute to pay the penalty of sin on behalf of sinners. He goes on to talk not only about the character of Christ, but also the resurrection as really being the proof that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. And the resurrection validated the fact that Jesus was who he claimed to be. Stott talks about some of the convincing proofs of the resurrection, like the missing body and the changed lives and and all of those kind of things that are evidence of the resurrection. Stott goes on to talk about uh, not only who Christ is, but also what we need. He talks about the fact that we're all sinners, that sin is law-breaking. It's breaking the the, the law of God. He even goes through each of the Ten Commandments and lays out for us how we've broken the commandments of God, how we are guilty lawbreakers before God. The consequences of our sin, therefore, are that we've been separated from God, that we're in bondage to sin, that there's conflict in our relationships with others, all because sin has entered the world. But he talks about the fact that what Christ has done for us is his death on the cross. His death on the cross, as we said in an earlier podcast study was not only to be a moral example of how we're to act when people mistreat us, but more importantly, his death on the cross was to bear our sin, to be our substitute. The Bible speaks of it as a propitiation or the fact that it satisfied the justice of God, that that sin was paid for, that sin was punished when Jesus died on the cross. And because of that, we have salvation. What does that mean? What does it mean for you? What does it mean for me that we are saved? What happened to us? What happens to a person when he or she is saved? Well, their sins are forgiven. It's as though we stand as guilty sinners before God, and yet on behalf, uh, because of what Christ has done on our behalf, we are declared not guilty by the sovereign judge in his criminal court, if you will. And our sins are forgiven and we are reconciled to God. And if that's all that salvation was, it would be worthy of our praise to God forever and ever and ever. But there's more. The Spirit of God comes and lives inside of us. And it is as though the sovereign judge of the universe, God Almighty, takes us from his criminal court across the hall, as it were, to his family court, and says, in addition to forgiving your sins, I am going to be your father. Jesus Christ will be your older brother. I'm going to give to you a family called the church, and you become a child of God. And when you die, you have a home in heaven forever with him. That's what Christ has done for us. And then Stott in this book, Basic Christianity, goes on to to tell us what our response needs to be. We need to count the cost. That means we need to be willing to repent of our sins, to turn away from our sins and abandon our own agenda for our lives and our own selfish living in order to live for Him. Jesus put it this way, we need to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow Him. That's the response that we need to have in counting the cost. We need to lose our lives for Him. John Stott in his book talks about uh, that when Christ is Lord of our lives, it will impact who we date, who we choose to marry, how we spend our money, how we set our priorities, how we use our time. We lose our own life in order to live for Him. That part of our response needs to be that we confess Christ as our Savior and Lord, that we profess to be Christ's followers. And then one becomes a Christian by reaching that decision, which is an act of the emotion and the mind and the will to be a Christ follower. We put our faith, our trust in what Christ has done on our behalf. And then the study that we came to today was the last chapter in John Stott's book, Basic Christianity talking about being a Christian. When we talk about being a Christian, there are privileges and responsibilities that come with being a child of God. The privileges include that we can have intimacy with Him. We can have intimacy with God Almighty. And the way we gain intimacy with anybody is by spending time with that person. A husband and wife gain intimacy in their marriage when they spend time with one another. Your closest friends are those that you've cultivated that relationship by spending time with them. And in our new uh, found salvation and relationship with God, he desires that we would spend time with him through reading the scriptures and through prayer, cultivating that intimacy with him. In addition, there is the assurance of our salvation we can be certain that we are children of God because we have the Spirit of God living inside of us, bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And and then we one of the privileges of being a Christian is the security of our salvation. We don't have to worry about being saved today and losing our salvation tomorrow or our salvation being based upon our performance and how well we're doing as a Christian. But it is... It is um, a guarantee it is a God has given us his spirit as a, a down payment as it were until that day when he brings us home to heaven but there are also responsibilities for being a christian our responsibility is to grow even though god is the one who grows us we pursue the means of grace that god has given to us things like uh worship things like bible reading prayer fellowship those things that God has given to us as means of grace that we would grow in our relationship with Him. We have the responsibility to be part of His forever family, and that in particular means being connected to a local expression of the body of Christ, a local church. There are things that God intends for us to do in and with and through the church that we can never do as individual believers on our own. Things like worship and fellowship, and ministry, and evangelism, and discipleship. In fact, there are over 30 commands in the New Testament that we cannot do alone, apart from the local church. We call those the one another commands, and they're given to us to be obeyed in the context of a local church family. The Another responsibility, a final responsibility that John Stott mentions to us is the responsibility of those who are not part of God's family and carrying the gospel to them so that we might win them to Christ. Those are the responsibilities that we have as believers. And this book has been a wonderful, simple, easy to read, basic explanation of what Christianity is and in particular what the gospel is. I commend it to you and am grateful that you have walked with us through these Monday podcasts as we have read together John Stott's Basic Christianity.
0: Well, thanks, Willie. And this week, we are praying for the country of India. We are praying for the church in India to be bold and steadfast. We're praying that the Lord would raise up national pastors and that the church would grow even in the midst of persecution. We're praying that the Lord would continue to ignite the hearts of believers in India to care for orphans and widows. We're praying specifically for one of our greeters, Alex Sam, and his family as they seek to encourage local believers to care for the fatherless through family-based care. We're praying for wisdom for the government as they make decisions related to adoption and orphan care. And we're praying for the staffing transitions that have been going on within the central authority Cara. We pray for these new hires to be passionate about intercountry adoption and passionate about the hope for the fatherless. We're also praying that they would find favor with Lifeline specifically and work hard to help these adoption processes and procedures that are going forward. We pray for the salvation of the team at CARA and pray that our team's time with uh, the staff in November would be profitable not just for partnership but for the sake of the gospel. We're praying for God to draw more missional families Families, to the India adoption process and that families would see this as an opportunity for the gospel to go forth in an unreached nation where other avenues of the gospel are getting fewer and more restricted. We're praying for our team in the U.S. for for Josh and Meredith and Morgan and Brooke and Taylor and Toria and Merrill, as we seek to continue to grow this already uh, growing and burgeoning program. We're we're praying for our amazing team on the ground, for Alex and Marie as they assist families in country and specifically for the provision of land for Alex's ministry and for the ministry of Marie's husband, Vijay, that he's a part of. We're, We're praying for God's favor and grace over both of these ministries, Everett Mission and COI. We're also praying for the upcoming trip in India uh, to India in November. We're praying that God would use this trip to build relationships with Kara and Steps Home in Chennai and uh, all the licensed orphanages and other partners on the ground. India is the country with the largest number of orphans in the world. So we're praying that these children would be reached with the hope of the gospel and that they would be uh, used as active agents of redemption in this nation. Only 2.2% of India's population professes uh, faith in Christ, while almost 95% is unreached. Pray, 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 pray that the gospel would go forth in the areas where the gospel has never been heard and never been proclaimed. Pray for people's hearts to be softened to the gospel so that India would become a nation full of people who fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully. Oh, and pray for individuals and families have given their lives to make the gospel known in India. Pray for strength and steadfastness as they faithfully scatter seeds amongst those who have not heard or believed. And we praise the Lord that he has continued to grow this India adoption program. We have almost 80 families in this program, and we pray that more families would continue to be drawn towards this special program. And we're thankful to the Lord for those on the ground, for Marie and Alex and other open doors that the Lord continues to open for future partners and partnerships in India on the ground. And we are praising the Lord hmm, that Kara remains very pro-adoption, even in the midst of some challenges over the past year. And we pray that this pro-adoption mindset will continue and that continued favor Will happen, especially with Lifeline. Let's pray, Lord. We pray that Your gospel would go forth in India, where 95 percent are unreached and unengaged with the gospel. Lord, we pray for uh, translation services to happen, where the Bible can be made known in every dialect and every region of India. We pray for those that are preaching the gospel now, for those who are spreading the gospel in India, that You give them, uh, that You would give them favor, that You would give them strength, that You would give them wisdom, and that You would go before them. Lord, we pray. For the overabundance of fatherless and orphaned children in India. We pray that you would make a way for them to find permanence in families, even if that's through foster care or domestic adoption or through inter country adoption. Pray that you would continue to give our team favor with those on the ground in India. And Lord, we pray that your great name would be known and would be made known in the country of India. And we love you. We are thankful for you. We know you love this country, you care for this country, and we're grateful that we get to partner. With you in your spirit in the country of India. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit herbienewall.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at infolifelinechild.org. At Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the defender podcast.